Romans chapter 14. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any more, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they're evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It's not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. This is probably the most difficult chapter to preach. And that's why I just included us reading it. Now there's a lot about eating and this and that and judging, not judging, that kind of thing. And it's probably not a very popular chapter in Romans. In fact, I think it's probably the less read chapter in the book of Romans. And that may be one of the reasons why 
it is difficult to preach or to read. This chapter is really, really about the body of Christ and our relationship with the Lord. In Romans, it's been a very interesting book to unpack and to try to understand each chapter and where Paul is pointing to and what he is trying to get across to the Roman believers. When he does this, he's doing it from a position of there were different kinds of people. Like we've said over and over again, it was an international church, intercultural. Romans, Jews, Gentiles from other parts of the Roman Empire. It was a, okay, here's another word, a hodgepodge (laughs) of people just all thrown together and they were different languages, different styles, different cultures, different everything. Their appearance, it's just like us here. We are the Roman church, more or less. But what is wonderful about this chapter that we could do some antonyms, we could, we could say it is spectacular, awesome, wonderful, true, Because what we experience in our lives, the longer that we exist together as the body of Christ, as MCC attendees, members, those who have come back from several months of being away, or maybe even years, come back and, oh, it's good to be back. But they haven't known and We haven't known all of the things that are going on underneath the surface here. And it's not my job to try to pull that out of you or to point to it. Some things just need to be said like Paul said them with principles of what our preferences are as human beings and knowing that we need to grow and mature as believers together. That's what the whole book of Romans is all about. It's all we get. Because once the process of God has been affected, we're ready to go home. And so all that we do here on Sunday morning, I trust and it's my prayer and desire as the pastor of this church for us to mature and to come to a place of Christ-likeness. But there's only one way we can do it, and that's to do it together. And that takes hard work. God had in mind a family, and he put us in families. Every one of us belong to a family. And so as we come together in identity with Jesus Christ, we become somewhat of a family because that's what God designed us to be as human beings. These principles that Paul gives us in this chapter, I'd like to outline. And I don't know how much I will be able to comment on with any uh, intelligence, but we'll try. The first principle is, as Paul said in verse 1, 
except the one who is weak in faith. Most of your Bibles read weak in faith. But actuality, the Greek is weak in the faith. Sometimes we think of faith as having a, a volume or a amount, a, a number, some kind of a number to it, a weight. A, it takes up matter and space. Faith does not. That's not what faith is. And so we think, I need more faith to believe in Jesus. Jesus said, no, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, which is smaller than a, a little bead that you run a thread through and you make a necklace. Faith doesn't have a volume or a weight or a something that we can describe it in terms of an amount. The, the word actually in Greek is the faith. So it's not one who is weak in, well, I just don't have enough faith. No, faith is trusting in who Jesus Christ is. That's what Paul is really focusing on, on whom Jesus Christ is. Not on how much power and how much energy or how much weight or substance that we have as Christians. And that's where we need to get our thinking changed. And so he says, except the one who is weak in the faith. Which means that together we have a responsibility. And in that responsibility, we have to need to come alongside one who needs to understand Jesus more. It's like what Tak was sharing, that we as men need to learn from one another. We need to be praying for one another. One of the number one problems in Japan, but in many of the nations of the world, has to do with manhood, really. You know, we, we, we think in terms of, well, the man should be the leader. And that is rightly so. That's where, where God placed him, in the order of creation, in the order of families. There is an enemy out there who does not want the man to be strong and leading his family in the faith. And Paul is bringing this out in the, uh, the Roman church. Verse 3, it says, For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge? So on the basis of this, the faith, I don't care how long you've been a Christian or what kind of experience it was or, or who led you to Christ or who what that situation was, what is your relationship with God right now? That's the thing that's important. And how does it work out in your daily life? How does it work out in your relationship in the church? This is the platform for spiritual growth. And men, the responsibility is with us as leaders, spiritual leaders in our homes in the community, and where God has placed you. And it's a heavy responsibility, but there's someone stronger who is able to carry that for us, with us. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We need to learn about Jesus. Come alongside him in order to bear the yoke, the burden that we carry as men. I'm just picking on men this morning, but maybe something will come out here for picking on the women. (laughs) For God has accepted him because his faith is in Jesus Christ. Who are you to judge? Number two, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind about Jesus Christ and about his calling. Three times in this section, Paul mentions in verse 6, three times he mentions, for the Lord. And he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. And so what he's basically saying here is is about eating and drinking, eating meat or not eating meat. Those things are not the weighty matters. Our outside things that we do, we make a big deal out of it in the church. Oh, well, he's not a Christian because he's smoking. Well, wait a minute now. I know great Christian leaders who smoked. Who? Spurgeon. Yeah, he was great, man. That doesn't mean we're teaching our young boys to to smoke. But somebody has said, and I think you probably all heard it, but I'll just say it anyway because I haven't got anything else to say, but smoking is not going to keep you out of heaven, but it sure will get you there faster. And so I I think that we need to know that it's not the outward appearance. It has to do with your heart. And that's where faith is really something that is, the volume is as big as your heart. And in mind, he says, mind actually here is his being. And so each person must be fully convinced in his own being and consciousness. That's what Paul's talking about. He's been talking about being in Christ. And he hasn't left that subject. That is still his main point in this chapter. It's not about those little things that just get in the way all the time. Same could be said about drinking. Yeah, drinking is very damaging. I'm talking about alcohol. Very damaging to families. I know. I've experienced it with my father's life and what hell I went through. Later on in life, pulling him out of a bar a couple of times a week. Come on, Dad. Come on home. And he could hardly walk. I know what it means to drink. But drink is not the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is Are we convinced in our own mind that Jesus Christ is center and I've made him the central person in my life for the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord? Give thanks to God.
Number three, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Okay, here we go. Hellfire and brimstone. A preacher that says, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you are going straight to hell. Well, that is not a very popular message these days. But the fact is, is if you don't put your trust in Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, that's where you will end up. We say, well, God couldn't send anybody to hell. Well, then what do the scriptures say? Yes, he would. Because his love is demonstrated through Jesus Christ to the world. And if you don't receive that lamb covering for you, we haven't talked about this a lot lately, but unless righteousness is a part of the work that God has done in my life and heart, with the lamb over me, and I have righteousness because I am covered by the Lamb. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. That's the reality of what Paul is speaking about here. We will. And what will we say? What will be our plea? What will be the thing that we will say? I have trusted in Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving me salvation through your Son. That's all we'll have to say. And I go back to the very beginning of what I started to say in this message, and that is, we have Jesus. And the Father looks down on us, and he says, what do you have to say? All I have to say is Jesus. That's all we have. Because that was provided for us. There is no other way. That's so narrow. That's so judgmental. No, that is so relieving. That's so much of a relief to us. It's not complicated. Salvation is not complicated. That's what I love about being a Christian pastor, is that it is so easy to tell people about Jesus. But that's too simple. That's okay. That is the way God designed it. So that each one of us will give an account of himself to God. What good did you do? What did you do today? Maybe your mom has asked you that. You didn't even clean your room. What have you been doing today? Maybe you could say, well, Jesus... Uh, could have helped me. I, I could have prayed and that I wouldn't have my mom on me. It could work. It could happen. Because if you have accepted Jesus Christ and you're messing around and not cleaning up your room and your mother comes in, oh, I'm sorry, mom. Would you help me follow Jesus and be obedient? Wouldn't that be great, moms, if our kids would do that? It'd be great, huh? Each one of us needs to give account of himself to God. Number four, do not put an obstacle or stumbling block 
in a brother's way. That's something that I think in terms of how do people see my Christian life? How do they observe me when I'm angry? Uh, We talk about road rage. We talk about somebody's done us wrong and we just have a bad attitude toward them. Maybe you haven't even said a word, but you sure wanted to say a, a whole stream of words when someone has offended you. But they can feel it anyway, whether you've said the words or not. Stumbling block. Putting a, a block in that person coming to know Jesus more clearly and perfectly. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. This has some cultural background to it. I don't think we, even though we have a food mania in uh, our societies these days, people going all around the world tasting different kinds of food. What's one of the first things that you are asked when you're, say you visited Japan and you go to the United States back to your home? What did you eat? Or maybe it's the opposite. You've gone to uh, America or to, uh, we just were talking the other day with someone that was down in, uh, the couple I just married, uh, down in Laos, in Laos. And uh, you know what they eat down there? Maybe I shouldn't tell you, it's almost lunchtime. (laughs) Rat is a delicacy. That's what they say. And they've invited us to come down there. (laughs) But food's a big deal to us, culturally. And for the Jews and the Gentiles, it was a big deal. And it says, For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. And if there's something that we are doing in our lives that cause a person to stumble, For the sake of Jesus Christ and his love for that brother, we don't need to participate. We don't need to have our favorite whatever it is if it's an offense to them. Number five, verse 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is, I think, the apex, the top of the list. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. And that means that in my life, receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and what that means is my sins are forgiven, and I walk before brothers and sisters in that righteousness. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace. It's not about eating and drinking, but it's peace in the Lord Jesus Christ and having that relationship where I'm complete in him. There's not anything else that I need, a habit or anything that I've become used to, that I walk in freedom, in peace. I've been released from those needs that are probably not good for me. 
like Coca-Cola. Well, I just saw Kent, and I, I don't know how that came there, but and joy. Kent and I have a relationship that uh, is not just because he's a good guy, or I am, but it, it's, it's based on really a relationship in Jesus Christ, and that's joy. And what we enjoy here at MCC, and if you're just new here, get to know the body here. It's about joy. It's about being together. That's what we need as human beings. God made us that way. Right here on the right side of your brain is the joy center. That's what neuropsychologists call it. Do you know where it comes from? I mean, God created it. But do you know where that part is really fostered and grows? By eye contact. By looking at each other. Really. And that's how you grow in your emotional person. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy is important to us. And I think I've talked to you about this before. God scooped down to make the first man and took a the dust in his hands and he formed this man and then he breathed into his nostrils into his nose the breath of life and Adam became a living being and the question is what was the first thing Adam saw when he opened his eyes the face of God looking at him God taking joy in Adam. Just like you mothers and dads do with your little ones. You just look and you look and you look. And pretty soon, there's that response in their eyes. After a few weeks, whoa, man, what does that do to you? Six cycles a second. Go back and forth between a parent and a child and looking at each other building the small brain from the big brain. That's how God created us. Scientists, this is scientific proof. Look it up. Type in on the internet uh, Daniel Amen or Daniel Siegel. They're the ones that discovered this. They're the ones that have written about it. And no one has contested them and said a bunch of uh, rubbish. No, no. It's factual. That's the way we're made. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and what? Approved by men. Number six, pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God. Don't tear down the work of God in one another. It's so easy to do that with a look, with a turning your back to them, with a, a sense of scorn or of reproof. Don't tear down the work of God or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. And the last principle the faith which you have 
have as your own conviction before God. And that means that don't flaunt it. Don't diminish it. Don't be so wrapped up in yourself. But having that conviction, where? Before God. That's where we stand. That's how we are either judged or approved. And knowing the favor and love and and compassion of God toward us, it should be just automatic that we have that for one another. And so that my lifestyle and what I do is more important to me than what your convictions and your lifestyle are. No, that's not what we're talking about. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And so that I walk my lifestyle on a daily basis and I know that my actions are not just for myself. It's for the body of Christ. And it's for Jesus himself. That's where we need to be. That's freedom. That's not a heavy church rule. It's not something that should cause us to be heavy and miserable. We should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. And with that, I think that when we are out on the street, when we're in the crowds, on the train, Jesus is living in us. And because he is there, we can afford to be happy. We can afford to be the kind of people that make other people want to come near us or say, what is it about you? I don't know. What, what's, is, is there something about me, my hair? or my? No. What is it about you? God wants us to be salt and light. He wants us to be out moving around among people and affecting them, infecting them, if I can use that word. That wasn't in my notes. I I just thought it up. But we need to share the love of Jesus, his happiness, his joy. We can afford to spread the joy. Father, we thank you that you are a happy person, that you are full of joy. The word says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Thank you for that joy. Thank you for that happiness. Thank you for that faith. And now, demonstrate to us this week how this will work. In the things that we do, that the things that we do would be a demonstration of your presence in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.